0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit boattrader.com to get started. This podcast is brought to you
1: by Tethered, the makers of the most badass saddle gear that you are able to find. The most frequently asked question that I get since I started saddle hunting is really about uh, comfort. And aside from it being more comfortable to hike in because it's lighter, it's more compact, compact, it's more mobile. Aside from that, the question is always kind of around whether or not I'm comfortable in the tree. And the saddle is extremely comfortable. And what makes it so comfortable is that it's absolutely customizable to fit each person differently. And you don't need to necessarily be a DIY guru to customize the saddle. Simple things like adjusting your tether height in many cases will get you dialed in and kind of provide you that the comfort that you're looking for in the tree. For me, the game changer ultimately was in in terms of comfort was using the Mantis recliner. And if you don't know what the Mantis recliner is, this is a back band that goes around your back and, and now they have a Gen 2 version that hooks right into your carabiner, and what it does is it provides you extra support in your back for those long all-day sits in November. Uh, This piece is extremely adjustable. And you might be asking, will this interfere with my shot whenever I'm, I'm drawing my bow? And it absolutely does not the way it's kind of positioned and the way it fits on you. Whenever you go to take a shot, when you lean up, it falls to your lower back and kind of gets out of the way of your of your shot sequence. So you can learn more about Tethered and all their gear at TetheredNation.com. And be sure to check out their YouTube channel for a few great DIY saddle tips. One of my favorite parts about hunting season is starting my morning with a cup of coffee. And what better coffee to start your morning with for a hunt? than Skull Brew Coffee. Skull Brew Coffee Company donates 10% of their profits back to nonprofit conservation to make sure that we keep wild places wild and that we keep public lands access still accessible for all of us to enjoy. So if you dig coffee and conservation, visit SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up some coffee today and pledge your support of conservation. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand deer hunting podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 138. Today, John and I lay out our plans, goals, and aspirations for our 2019 hunts. So stay tuned. Alright, alright, alright. What is going on out there? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you all are doing well. It is here finally, at least for me, for a bunch of you who have probably already been here. But I am super pumped that this Saturday is the opener of our archery season here in Eastern PA. So, super stoked for that. I was fortunate to get out actually this past weekend. A buddy of mine hit me up um, with a, a farmer. Actually had some predation tags, or some what they're referred to in Pennsylvania as red tags and uh hit me up and said hey man what are you doing tonight you want to go uh you want to go get in a tree and uh i said um uh, no i don't like to bow hunt so you know i'd appreciate it if you'd leave me alone no i'm just kidding uh so i said hell yeah let's uh let's do it so more than anything it was really more of a an opportunity to go out and get some live action um you know it's uh, you can practice all you want getting into a tree and setting your stuff up but the first time it's kind of a disaster at least for me it is i don't know for anybody else but it's like i've always forget stuff on the first hunt. last year i think on the first time i left my release at home um this time i've totally I, like saturday was the day i was preparing all my stuff for for this coming saturday where i was getting you know my my camo had all been you know washed descented dried and it's scent free tote and my bag was and all that stuff and now it was more about getting all the things that had been kind of spread out like my you know, my range finder, which was, you know, with my like shooting equipment, you know, that I was using throughout the off season and just my camera gear because I'm filming this year, uh, the whole season, you know, God willing, um, as long as I can tolerate it. Um, and, uh, so I had all that stuff to kind of accumulate and get together, none, you know, charge all my batteries for, you know, my cameras, uh, you know, an Ozonix machine, you know, on the, on the hunts that I would take it, uh, where it was, where it was needed or where I felt like it was going to be helpful. Um, So all that stuff was what I was planning to do this uh, this past Saturday. Um, And then my buddy Wilson hit me up and said, hey, we got some red tags if you'd like to go try to fill one with me. Um, And so I had to kind of rush around and get all my stuff ready. And uh, of course, I had forgot things and I had to turn around like two times to pick stuff up that I, you know, I I jumped in a truck and left. And as I'm driving, I'm like, going through my mental checklist of like, at least I, I was like, I wanted to just at least get the bare necessities. Like, it's you know, do I have my release? Do I have arrows? Um, you know, and I was like, man, it's like, I feel like I'm forgetting something, forgetting predator platform. So I had to turn around, get my platform left again, driving down the road, going through my mental checklist again. And I was like, man, I feel like I'm forgetting something. And then I realized that my rangefinder was still in my quiver for target shooting. So I had to turn around and get that. So needless to say, there were a few kinks in the system, uh, which is nice to get it out of the way. Um, but the you know, just being able to climb into a tree, it was it was a cool kind of setup. I don't get to hunt many bean fields and stuff like that. Um, but this of course, as it you know, as you're looking to, you know, control some does on a particular farm, we were set up on a bean field, which was cool. Um and uh saw a bunch of deer, which was rad. Yeah, had one well, actually, we saw. I think it was three or four bucks. I saw three. Wilson saw four because um, he saw one as I was climbing out. Um, the last one that came out right at last light. was was a pretty nice deer. Um, this may be a property we get to hunt during during the regular archery season. But uh, you know, even if so, I'm not sure how much time I would spend on it just because I don't know much about it. Um, you know, I have deer in other places that I'd probably focus on unless. Unless I was getting completely skunked in those places, then I might throw a few hail marys at this farm if if we're allowed to. Um, but that was kind of the setup, man. You know, I, the bummer was is that you know I got all set up, camera gear set, ready to roll. Um, got some footage of some does kind of you know browsing. Nothing came within you know shooting range of us. Um, I think you know the does were popping out in this one little area. that was probably about eighty yards away from us. Um, but we did have um, the one of the bucks. It was just the youngster. He's like a six point probably a year and a half old deer cruised up, snuck up on us and just kind of followed and set up right underneath my tree. And I filmed him what I thought I was doing was filming him for like a good solid eight minutes. And I was super stoked because it was my first, you know, hunt with my new camera set up and stuff like that. And was getting this footage of this buck super close, like watching him licking and checking the wind and all that, all that stuff. And uh, got home to check the footage. And I was so excited whenever that buck came in, he kind of caught me off guard that Don't you know, I forgot to hit the record button, but I filmed the shit out of him for like eight minutes, but with no film. So that was kind of a bummer, but the silver lining to me was, and I was talking about this with my buddy, with my buddy, Chad from Exodus, we were talking last week and talking about having multiple spots because you guys have heard me talk about in the past. I really hit the, hit the ground running this past spring, got a bunch of new parcels to hunt this year, a bunch of, you know, different pieces of public land and stuff, um, and I have some that you've probably heard me refer to and you guys probably refer to it this similarly, or maybe just with different vernacular, but I have a a piece or two that's close to the house that I would refer to as like a burner, a burner, uh, a burner property, which when saying that means is that, you know, I, I don't really have any bucks there that I'm willing, that I'm looking to hunt. There's no, you know, mature deer that I've seen on camera. Maybe something shows up in a rut, who knows, but I won't be here for the rut. So it's really just October. Um, And what I use those for is the go hunt days where I don't have, where the weather conditions aren't great, or I don't have the right wind to go hunt one of my other properties that, you know, I know that I have a good deer on that I would like, or, you know, a handful of good deer that I would like to try to, to hunt and kill. Um, And the benefit to that is one, like you get to get out into the timber, which is like the obvious, right? You get to get out and spend some time outdoors, which is killer. But the other part of it that we were kind of talking about was, you know, a lot of times when you hear tactics or strategies or whatever the case is on podcasts like this or any other number of podcasts, you know, a lot of times we know the information, right. And I had this conversation with Greg Litzinger off, off air where I was like, I feel like, you know, in the past, like handful of years, like my, I've been able to make a little bit of a jump. And I think he and I even talked about this on a previous podcast that I feel like I've been able to make a little bit of a jump as far as, you know, I'm having better sightings. I've started hunting, you know, I know we talked about this. I started hunting more specifically terrain features versus specific deer. Um, which has put me in position to see more mature deer more frequently and have better encounters just in general, um, which is, you know, me taking a lot of the stuff that I've learned over the past couple of years of doing this podcast. And that's really kind of helped me and put me in a good position or a better position. And the thing that's still missing though, and like the difference between, you know, the guys who get it done year over year over year and the guys who see good deer, but just are always just outside the opportunity, you know, just, there's just like a 2% thing that happens that keeps you from releasing an arrow. And it's you made a really, really small mistake or you didn't think through this aspect of the hunt or whatever that played out. And what that comes from is really just seat time. And that was the one thing Greg and I talked about was that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you that you've learned, you know, and that, you know, when we talk about things, it's like I get the concepts and now I just need to see deer do them. And and Chad and I were talking about this thing exactly where a burner property gets you out to hunt. Yeah, that's the obvious benefit. But the other unintended benefit is is that hopefully if it's in a decent spot, like you're seeing more deer. And so the more deer you see, the more deer behavior you see, you see how they like to use a, you know, a terrain feature. You see how they their body language changes as they, you know, maybe they approach another deer and you can start to learn the difference between seeing a deer that's kind of the dominant deer or one that's, you know, passive and understand that how maybe calling or something like that might might play into, you know, how you're viewing a deer's body language, um, you know, just in just in setups, you know, when you're setting up on a, on a terrain feature understanding, you know, if you set up wrong once, you know, and like, how do you know that it's wrong unless you've done it wrong once? To kind of understand that hey this terrain feature i probably need to set up on this side of it or in in this way if the wind is doing x so all those things are like you can hear them and 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 read them and 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 talk about them until we're blue in the face but a lot of times those things don't become concrete for at least me because i'm very much a hands-on learner those things don't become concrete until i see them in action and once i see them in action then i can kind of i'm like okay now i understand it this is how i need to set up or this is how i need to position my platform, you know, when I'm, when I'm in my saddle, or this is how I need to, this is how my access needs to play out whenever I have this wind or whatever the case is. But just the more opportunities you have to get into the stand, you know, or, or into a tree uh, or into a blind for that matter, um, just to watch deer, um, you know, we, we, we will all be learning something. And that was the cool thing about seeing that buck so close. Cause I was able to be on top of him for, you know, five, eight minutes, whatever it was. I put it on Instagram live, which was like the last, like probably 45 seconds of him being in front of me. Um, you know, but it was just cool to watch him work the wind, um, do some nibbling, kind of check out the, you know, his surroundings. He was working an edge down, you know, down to us. Um, and, and he, he had the wind in his favor the entire time, but it wasn't a direct wind. Like he was working a little bit of a crosswind, um, which was kind of cool to see. You know, it's like he had no worries about his six whatsoever because his the crosswind was kind of blowing diagonally across his back. Um, but he was kind of really kind of focused on what was in front of him and what was to the left of him where he wasn't getting his wind. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see, just kind of all that stuff play out. So that's a long-winded way of saying anytime you can get into a tree and do some observation, be it a doe hunt, be it hunting for the deer that you're after or whatever the case is, is time uh, is time well spent. So with that, I'm going to bid you uh, an adieu here or a farewell here and, and get this thing cracking because I actually have to run, jump on a plane, um, headed to Alabama. So hey, y'all, to all my, my southern folks, uh, I have some work to do down there in the beginning part of this week. So I'll be in Alabama the beginning part of the week and then I'll actually be in New York City the second part part of the week for work, and then booking it home uh, to get ready for the season opener. And which I don't even know that I'm going to hunt this even season, season opener. Depending on the wind conditions, I may end up just going out and filming Wilson because uh, he's got a decent deer um, that he's tracked down. That the wind that we're going to get for Saturday's opener, uh, particularly in the morning. And I know a lot of folks talk about not hunting mornings, but um, you know, I think over time I've learned of uh, you know and, of, and am of the mind that if you have a deer that's on a pattern and you can get on him in the morning and there's an opportunity, um, especially here in PA, this part of PA where you're still in September hunting, where you can probably still capitalize on that bed to food kind of movement, um, then it's worth a shot. And that's kind of, I think what Wilson has going on is that it's the right wind uh, for this particular setup on this deer. And uh, it'll be a morning hunt. You know, he's, he's been glassing him and seeing him in the mornings headed back to bed late out of this bean field. So I think that we're probably going to try to set up on him and all my spots for um, for Saturday's opener you know uh, morning setups there's one deer that I think I can kill in the morning and you know, we will see but it's the complete wrong wind um, for that for that particular deer um, I'll need a north wind and think I'm gonna get some west so west is bad for me on pretty much every property um, so I'm gonna go ahead and skip probably the opener of carrying a bow and carry a camera instead and see if we can't uh, help Wilson get on a on a deer and put it on film but with that, We'll go ahead and jump into the podcast. It's a cool show today. This is John and I's annual you know, goals, plans, aspirations, hopes, and dreams for our 2019 season. John, of course, had already been hitting the ground here. We'll talk about it a little bit, but he's been, been to Canada twice um, on a bear hunt and on a muley hunt. Uh, one was him hunting, one was him filming. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that, but we'll dive in certainly into what our plans are for this year and what we hope to accomplish. So for those of you that are hunting already... Uh, I'm jealous, but uh, our time is the rest of us. Our time's fast approaching. Um, for those of you have, who have yet to get into the woods, good luck to you as your openers approach. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I am uh, joined, as I am many times, with my brother from another mother, Johnny By God Mulligan, Utah, coming hailing now from I think, dude, I think you just became a resident of Canada. Most recent. Hey? Sorry. 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 You've been north of the border quite a bit, dude. What's up with what's up with that? <laughs> are you thinking of uh are you getting all Canadian on me or what? You yeah, start, man. Did you start drinking Labatt Blue? That's the big question.
2: I did. I did. I, and I switched my currency. I'm spending loonies and toonies. Um, so dude, I tell you, it's um I've spent eighteen of the last twenty days in Canada. Um and then I go back on September fifteenth. I go back for another four or five days. So to try to settle the score. Settle the score. It's a man, I'm telling you, it's a it's a neat place. I had never been there before and and why not go like a lot. Uh, <laughs> <Right. you> know <laughs> why not just I've make it like played. a
1: bi-weekly trip?
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, I got flagged uh when I so I went to you know, I drove to Ontario and then drove home and turn right around and then flew, um, the next day to Northwest Alberta. And to me, it's funny. Like I would think that you would go through immigrations, like when you're boarding the plane to fly into another country, but no, I flew from Chicago into Calgary. And then before I could get on my next plane from uh, Calgary to Grand Prairie, then I had to go through immigration
1: that's kind of weird. Yeah. It just seems strange. I like, I'm already here, you know? Um, good thing you dropped off all those narcotics in Calgary before you jumped that next plane.
2: Exactly. (laughs) You know? So (laughs) like I get, I get flagged and so I'm sitting there looking at my watch and I'm like, and I, and I was already kind of cutting it kind of tight. Right. But so the guy flags me, he comes up and he's like, all right, what's your purpose, you know, in Canada? I'm like, "Uh, you know, photographer. And he's like, so what are you doing here? Like taking photos? He's like, photos of what? I'm like, well, I hope a bunch of deer and mule deer, but I don't have, I left my crystal ball back in Iowa. Like I right. just, I, you know, that's what the goal is. Right. So he's like, okay. He's like, um, do you always travel with all your camera and lenses in your backpack? I'm like, yes, yeah, so you all don't break them. Right. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, enjoy your stay in Canada. I'm like, ah, right, thanks man. Have a great day. And he hands me back this little piece of paper and it says, I am on it. And I'm like, I am, I don't know what that means or whatever, you know? Right. So I go walk in and I show them. And I'm going to the right. So like I peel off to the left and I'm like, what the heck's going on? And they're like, you got to go down that hallway and. So just have a seat in the waiting area, and somebody will be with you. And I'm like, then I'm like, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah, so then I get grilled again, and they're like, well, who's paying you? I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm getting paid from an American company, you know, Ozonix. and they said, well, are they going to pay you in Canada? I'm like, no, they're paying me with U.S. money in the U.S. next week. And so it just it, what it all boiled down to is a work visa issue. Uh, they they do not want lower 48 people coming up and making money in Canada and taking money and then bringing money back to the U S you know, right? Like taking money out of their hands. So anyways, I'm like, no, no, it's, it's on the up and up. And the guy's like, all right, man, you're good. And I'm like, no, actually I'm not. He's like, why is that? And I'm like, because I missed my flight. It departed 10 minutes ago. I've nice. been in your waiting area for an hour and a half. Jeez. So because I get flagged by immigrations, they kick your bags out to baggage claim, which means I have to kind of go outside of the airport security, get my bags and then rebook a flight. Oh, so then geez. I end up chilling in Calgary for like six and a half hours waiting on the next little bush plane to take me to Grand Prairie. Dude, that sucks. Yeah. But then after that, man, it was awesome. You know, once I got to my spot, um, mm-hmm. it was, it was super rad and, um, you know, the locals are cool and the Canadian folk are funny and. It's neat because being kind of semi-eastern Canada and then going far northwest, uh, comparing the dialects and the phrases and the things that they say and, you know, stuff like that. But, yes, yeah, it, was, it was fun.
1: Nice. And so that was for your bear hunt, right? No, no. So Alberta was oh, the— Oh, that's right, because you went the first time to for your bear hunt. This was the when you got flagged was for the most recent trip. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. So you did—so did you see some muleys?
2: I saw some giant mule deer. Unfortunately, it was in a zone that we did not have a tag for. So very interesting enough, um, there's things about Canada that I just didn't know. Um, As a non-resident, you can't hunt there unless you buy a tag through an outfitter. Or you get that hunter host program. But outside of that, you have to buy your tag via an outfitter. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an outfitted hunter, but he's the holder of the tags basically. Right. And so anyways, um that was unique and we did not have a, a tag in the zone in which this this giant mule deer was standing fifty yards from us. Oh man. How, uh,
1: that's kind of a sick feeling, isn't it? Yeah, I mean he's like one ninety five. Ooh. Yeah. Mule deer.
2: Yeah. it's a good... it was, yeah. he's a stud. Yeah. I, I took a lot of photos of him. He's, he's a stud, man.
1: Nice.
2: Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. But, uh, we were, you know, my guy that I was doing photos for, uh, his hunt was for whitetail or wolf mm-hmm. uh, and or wolf. Uh, we didn't see any wolves and we didn't have any shooter whitetails, uh, in bow range. So did you see
1: some decent whitetails at least?
2: Uh, yeah, I saw a couple, um, like on the way to where our zone was and, you know, stuff like that. But right. um, yeah, we just didn't have anything in, in range. It was real weird. Like the deer still had their velvet there, but they were already broke up. They weren't in bachelor groups anymore. They were all singles. They were on trail cameras, which most of the trail cameras were like two, three in the morning, Right. but they were like posturing up on each other and ears pinned back. It was super weird. I'm just, you know, it was like, man, it's kind of early, you know, this is, Right. Like middle, late September kind of activity, you know, but right. I, it was going on last week, August.
1: Yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. I mean, is there, I, and this is just, I'm naive to this, but like, is there a rut timing like similar to ours or is it, is it, is it later or earlier or what's the... I I think it's pretty, pretty close, pretty,
2: pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty close. I mean, I don't think again, I could be wrong. Um, but I'm pretty sure that it's it's closer to Midwest rut than, mm-hmm. say, the Midwest is different than the South, like Florida. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. And so you're headed back for a bear hunt because your first trip was for, for bear with a buck. Yep, yep,
2: yep. So I was in Ontario on a bear hunt. Um, it rained every single day. <laughs> nice. And we had a full moon. Uh, the first three days you know um, it, it you know again no that affects so much but it affected ours because right. we were getting all nighttime photos you know um I passed you know some 150 175 200 pound bears um, and I'm not saying I was going out there to try to break the new Ontario record for right. black bear with a bow Um, but just like with whitetails, you know, I mean, I had an age class or a weight, you know, in mind that I was going to try to go for. And and I'll, I mean, it was like that 275 to, you know, 375 mark. I mean, that right. was kind of kind of the bear that I was after. Um, day three, I ended up having about a 450 uh, come in on me at like 12 yards. And he was, he walked in broadside and, you know, you can't ever hear him. So like he's on me, you know, he's, I look up and he's there broadside at 12 yards and I'm like, Oh, and so I grabbed the camera and get the camera on him, focused on him. And he came on into this bait barrel and he proceeded to get in behind it, which no big deal as big as he is. I could still shoot vitals if he was broadside, but he wasn't. He was facing me like head on, and the only thing he was giving me was like a spine shot or a skull shot, and right. So I drew on him, and I held draw for about a minute. Then I let down to adjust the camera because I was. It was right at that time where, considerably every three minutes, you're losing light. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like it's that moment where you're like, I wish I could freeze the time of the hunt. Right. You know, stop getting darker, please. <laughs> uh, um, but. It kept getting darker and darker and, and then, you know, the temperature dropped so much, you know, it was like 75, 85 during the day. And then it was dropping to like 40 at night. And, um, uh, when you have a drop like that in two hours and it's just based on the sun going down, like my nose started running and I ended up kind of giving a, you know, a sniff right. and he heard it and he popped his head up and I'm like, you know what? If I sniff again, he might kind of bug out. And it might be enough to get him to stand up and turn broadside for me. And and I tried that. And all he did was like a sit and spin. He just spun on his ass. Right. Um, He's pretty lazy, fat bear (laughs) and just spun on his ass and just walked dead away. And as he's walking away, I'm like, hey, bear. Hey, bear. I thought about going, but um, yeah, but anyways, I was like, hey, bear. And just all I was hoping for is for him just to stop for one second and just look over his shoulder and I could have tried to, you know, slide one in. But nonetheless, he didn't give me a shot. And then um the rest of the week all I saw was, you know, small bears. And, you know, once you see a four fifty, I'm like, Oh boy, right. I wanna that's the one I want. And I got pretty stubborn and I stuck to one site, you know, and I right. kept hunting that one bear and Never, never saw him, and you know the guys out there are like, "Hey, be careful getting stuck on one bear because those big bears, they might cycle in, come in, hit the bait, you know, never two weeks see him again, right? Yeah, and then maybe maybe two weeks before he comes back through the area again, and and." uh but it made sense because the rest of the week, all the smaller bears, when they would come in, they were, like, looking over their shoulder like, man, is that big dude in town? Like, right. is he going to kick my ass?
1: Am I going to get rolled on this bait pile here real quick? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm going to get covered in trail mix and grease. But, <laughs> right. Is that the um, first
1: time you've ever bear, hunt- bear hunted? It is.
2: It nice. is. Um, I tried to educate myself as much as I could, you know, before. I mean, I, I've had an interest in it, but I didn't think it was – feasible, or I just didn't think maybe opportunity would present itself kind of situation. So it's like, I have an interest in Corvettes and I know a, a decent amount about Corvettes, but I don't know every spec because I'll probably never own one. Right. And, uh, so anyways, uh, I, once I knew that it was a reality, I, I started studying a lot more about black bears and, and, you know, I feel like I gave myself pretty good base knowledge and of what to look for, what not to do, what to try. And, And whatnot but um so the hunt ended and it was time to come home because i had to get home to catch my flight to fly to alberta and the outfitter's like dude don't leave just stay i'm like trust me i wish i could but you know i gotta go make money so right um i came home flew the next day to alberta and um but on my way home somewhere in like minnesota I ended up calling the, the outfitter and was just like, Hey man, I had a really good time. Really appreciate you folks. Like my kidneys are, you know, my sides, my ribs are still like, you know, hurting from laughing so hard and, but probably my kidneys too. Right.
0: Recreational activities. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah. Um, but I said, Hey, question, what's the chances on me coming back? And they're like, well, F and A, you know, they're nice. like, hey, you better come back, and I'm like, well, no, no, I mean, like, come back like soon. Like and next they're week. like, oh, like, like the spring, and I'm like, no, I was thinking a little sooner than that. And they're like, well, your tags good till like, you know, end of October or something like that. And right. So I made a plan. I'm like, hey, September 15th, I'm gonna come back. Um, so they're they were all jacked to have me
1: back. And nice. uh, yes. Yeah, Go back and see if we can get it done this time. Nice, man. That's awesome, dude. It's, uh, I mean, it, it, what's crazy about bears, man. It's like, and I've never hunted bears with a bow. I've hunted them growing up as a kid with, with, uh, with a gun, got one. It was funny uh, at a very early age. It was the first time I ever went bear hunting. My dad was like, you know, trying to level set for me. Like, Hey guys hunt all their life in PA may not see a bear in the woods, you know, let alone shoot one. And it was yeah. like the first half hour of the first time I ever went bear hunting in Pennsylvania and shot one. Uh, (laughs) which is kind of funny Um, Uh, i I hate you yeah which which then (laughs) (laughs) which then i I never went again after that like for whatever reason like bear hunting never really my dad loves bear hunting it just never really appealed to me a lot now i have a more of a like infatuation with going to like i really like to go we've talked about this in the past like bucket list hunts like i'd really like to go to alaska you know or somewhere where i could hunt, hunt grizzly you know with a bow um, yeah, yeah. I just think that would be super, super rad, but the, the crazy thing is, man, it's cause like, you know, I didn't really think about it at the time I was, I was a kid cause I wasn't bow hunting, but man shooting 3d and shooting at bear targets, dude, their vitals are like in a, di- like they're different than a white, Oh tail. yeah, you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. they, they sit a little higher up, but they sit a little bit more forward. Um, yep. you know, did you, I get, I'm assuming you probably did some anatomy study too, before you went yep. and shit like that, just to kind of get dialed in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what it comes down to is that shoulder um, is kind of joined it a little differently and it's, it's a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it's a little bit taller shoulder, it seems like you don't have kind of that little snake, you know, dog leg, right. Um, like a white tilt does, it's kind of shielded a little more. And again, that's why, you know, people are always like broadside, 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 just right center punch, get both lungs, you know, and you're good. Right. Just don't hit the shoulder. And, you know, the only shot that that bear gave me, was one time he did pop his head up on his front legs and as he was still sitting down and because he was only 10 yards, I mean, my, the angle of my arrow would have entered right in the center of his chest and would have come out his bunghole, you know? Right. Yeah. And so I showed the video to the owner of this joint and he's like, why didn't you F and shoot him? Right. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what, what are you talking about? And I was like, everybody says broadside, broadside. He's like, you shot an antelope at seventy-two yards with a bow. He's like, "You smoked that." Well, I can't even do the conversation. You know, <laughs> I love it's the fact like, that you're doing the accent, though. too. it's <laughs> like beep 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 beep. You know, right, right. It's like you know, you silly Americans. He's like, uh, shoot that. He's like, shoot that son of a gun right between the chest. He goes right that big blaze patch he had on his chest, and he goes, "It'll run it right at his ass." he's like he'll bleed out in like 10 15 yards we'll find him in the morning with the argo and he's like he's like what the fuck man so he goes what are you gonna do tomorrow and i was like i guess i'm gonna
1: go try to kill that bear and he's like fucking eh, dude i like so, i like how like you're doing the accent and then like as you went it also turned scottish yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny dude it's hilarious i mean that and it
2: all they almost sound irish you know what i mean right. like it's it, it is, it is funny, but
1: yeah. well, you you start they, to get that like Canadian, but also like that, like, uh, like back country Canadian, like out in the bush, you know what I mean? Well, that's, type
2: of. Th- that's the way they were, they are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's, it, I mean, they're, they're bush people,
2: you know what I mean? Like where, where yeah. I was and some of the coolest people, like I was, it, it was awesome to meet them. And, you know, I mean, now we're like buddies, you know, we text back and right. forth and stuff. Um, I got to tell you this funny one. So, our, our guide, like the head guide, uh, this kid, Adam so this this guy guy's a rock star. You know what I mean? Right now we're talking small, small, small town, in Nipigon. I mean, there's not a lot to do, but there's like a baseball league. It's actually softball, but they call it baseball. Right. And I don't know if that's normal or not, but anyways, <laughs> they call it baseball, but it is softball. And so there's like a, there's like a baseball league and, and then they have like fishing leagues. Um, like they have all these like intramural type sports in the town. Right. And everybody who's got a pulse and can still run, run and swing bats and rods. They all participate and It's just a blast. Right. Right. Um. So one night the, the, the gal that was cooking for us dinner, she made this uh, Saskatoon cheesecake mm-hmm. homemade. Nice. So good. Hell oh yeah. my God. So good. Saskatoon blows blueberry out of the, out of the, planet nice. and um so i ate like two slices and then she yells at him she's like adam you know we got the saskatoon pie like in the in the kitchen you better hurry up and get some or there's not going to be any left and he's like damn it gail i told you i'm training i can't be eating that stuff when i'm training and we're all like training for what you know right he's talking like he's training for like a fight or something. He's like UFC fighter. He's got a fight coming up. Right. And this, this, cat's like 130 pounds soaking wet. Nice. <laughs> he's, he's wiry. I'm wiry, uh, but it was just, you know, constant stitches, man. Dude yeah. was, he was a riot. That's awesome, dude.
1: So, well, I'm glad you had a good time. We were there. I'm hoping when you go back, you, uh, you get a bear, um, yeah. but, but you did have to come back. If, if at minimum, like today is to, you have a birthday party that's yeah, going yeah. on right now. And so yeah. is is the is the wife's birthday today or was it
2: Yeah, has, no, it's it's today. Um it's, crazy, it's the man. first
1: time I've been home
2: on her birthday in five years. Well, I guess technically six. Um three years in which I was in Kentucky for Velvet Opener, right. and then two years I was in Montana for Antelope. Right.
0: So and, uh,
1: my daughter's birthday is today. So we it's nuts. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. We did, uh, we did sushi dinner tonight, which was, oh, uh, was good. yeah, which was pre- which was pretty good. And then, uh, and then on the way home, I saw some deer and my wife didn't want me to tell this story, but I thought it was kind of funny. And so I got excited just at the sight of deer and it's getting up on deer yeah. season, you know, here I'm like, for me, I'm like three weeks away as the time at the time that we're recording this and probably closer by the time this releases. Sure. But, uh, I saw a deer's at the doe in like the neighbor's yard. And so I stopped and I rolled the window down and I'm watching it. And it looked at me. So I give her a little, you know, and my <laughs> wife just kind of looks at me. She's like, what are you doing? And then I attempted to snort wheeze at it. And I spit all over my wife. I basically snort wheezed oh, all over no. my wife, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was like a major fail. She was not happy. She was like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a snort wheeze, babe. I was like, I'm just trying to like speak its language. And she was like, whatever it was, was gross. It <laughs> parked the car, put the car in the garage and let me out. <laughs> so that was the, uh, that was the end of the birthday dinner for my daughter. It ended with a, uh, a, a, a spittle snort wheeze all over my wife. My
2: oh, yeah. that's funny, dude. Yeah. It's good yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, we, uh, we went out and got some Thai food. Nice. Uh, dinner tonight. And it's just, you know, carry out yeah. the equivalent of Chinese, you know? Right. Um, but like I'm teasing my wife, you know, because, I'm like, babe, I'm home on your birthday, and you got Thai food. I'm like, damn,
1: spoiled. That's what I'm saying, dude. Spoiled. <laughs> hey, do you know what I'll be doing for my wife's birthday? What's that? Year? I'll be hanging out with you in Iowa. Bam. Oh, is
2: that when you're going to be here? <laughs> yeah. dude. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I've missed. Oh. Like,
1: she, so she makes fun of me because she's like, you spend my birthday every year, usually camping with another man, every year. So you're like, Hey, shouldn't have been born during the rut, babe. That's what I'm saying, man. I was like, your parents planned that poorly. I was like, I, I, I don't have any recourse for you. You know, you're like
2: obviously your dad's not a hunter,
1: right? Or he's not into bow hunting or something because this yep. is just, it's just not right. Now the bummer is I do have a wedding to go to in October, which I was like, who the hell gets married in October? I was like "It's bullshit. Yeah.
2: October and November. That's a, that's a,
1: it's a hard, hard no for me, Doug. Yeah. I was like, I was like, technically they're your friends. Right. Yeah. I was like, so <laughs> if, if I don't go, I was like, they can be mad at me. I was like, they'll still be your friend. You know. What yeah, I mean? Let's let like, flow chart flowchart this out. Yeah. If yeah. I don't show, but you do, right? It's like if it's the good. right if it's if there if the result is is I just can't be around when they come over. I can live with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, it's it's okay. We can deal with it.
2: Yeah. It's like, that's a win-win, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm like, like actually it might work out all the way around in my favor. I was like, I'm, as I'm thinking about it you know, I'm not sure what kind of decision I really have to make when it comes down to it. But uh,
2: that reminds me when, when I first started dating my wife, um, she had a girlfriend and they were inseparable, you know, mm -hmm. they did everything together every day, texted every day, you know, all that kind of stuff. wait, No, we didn't have texting then. No, 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 no. Take that back. (laughs) They talked uh, on the phone every day. Yeah. And um, anyways, we started dating and the friend hated me. I mean, like when we were together, she's like, oh, this is John. hey, Hey, good seeing you. And then Kelly would like turn her head and she would just like look at me and like, like with this go to hell look. And I'm like, what the heck? Did you see that? She's like, oh, you're making that up. I'm like, no, like she genuinely hates me. Right. But I was taking her time away
1: from her friend. They don't even speak anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like you can always tell when someone doesn't like you or they're lying because their voice goes up when they see you. It's like if I ever come up to you and I'm like, oh, hey, John, how's it going? And my voice yeah. gets all high. All of a sudden it's like, right. Yeah. That's like at that point, we're no longer friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean? Like that's right. That's the litmus test right there. Like the, the frequency of your voice, does it <laughs> change? You know? But at this point, we should probably dive into some type of deer hunting stuff since this is yeah. some type of deer hunting podcast. That's and that is, podcast. that's right. So, you know, for everyone out there listening, you know, John and I every year do, you know, a brief kind of goals, hopes, dreams, aspirations for the season, what plans we have for the year, you know, any tactics that we're tra- changing up or strategy that we're going to implement this year. Because at this point we've done our preseason scouting and some of it, you know, the off season scouting, John and I actually got to do together this year while I was in Iowa. And then we make our plans, watch trail cameras, you know, glass some fields, do all those things. And then we're kind of at this point of the year where all the puzzle pieces, you're basically, you have the puzzle pieces you're going to have heading into the season. And then it's, you know, during the season, it's about reading sign and and, and adapting as you go. But your, your game plan at this point should be kind of formulated and be somewhat flexible, but you should have an idea of what the, what the plans are. So that's what we're going to do today is just kind of walk through those. And we'll, John, I know you've already kind of started hunting. You know, you've know, you had a couple trips and so forth. But I want to just kind of start first with what states we're going to plan to hunt whitetails this year. So what's on your itinerary for the whitetail season this year?
2: Um, so tomorrow um, I drive down to Kentucky. I got to go down to Whitetail Heaven Outfitters. I'm doing um, a photo shoot with those guys for their velvet opener, but I don't think it's going to be velvet opener this year. I think everything's going to be hard horn mm-hmm. by the time the season opens on the seventh. But yeah. um, I, I told them I jokingly, I'm like, yeah, I might bring my bow, And they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, well, because I'm there to work and do photos. And they're like, you can do both. So nice. I'm taking my bow in a stand and an Ozonics unit, my camera and, camo um just in case the sheer possibility that i get to sneak away for a couple hours and go sit in a stand because they have a ton of farms that like say the guides may hunt because one thing that they do that's on the up and up and uh just to kind of throw a little defense for my boy tevis he catches a lot of riffraff on facebook and you know whatnot but they do not let their guides hunt the same property that's that the hunters hunt
1: right that's a rarity Right. And Um, you and I have talked about this offline before, just about, we have some other buddies that have worked at other, other, you know, outfitters and and some of them that we just hear about, right. Just from going to trade shows and stuff like that. So like whenever you're saying that it's a rarity, it's like, there's plenty of folks out there that will say, yeah, yeah, we don't hunt our farms. But then like all of a sudden the, the son of the dude who owns the, the outfitter killed the biggest deer on the, lease properties or exactly, the, you know I mean? exactly. Know, it's just, it's a little fishy, but yeah. So
2: some of the, some of the guides, you know, they've got their own properties and stuff like that. Um, so I might try to jump on one of those or something and, you know, it's literally going to be going in blind. I'll just probably pack in and throw up a stand and see what happens and no, no real high hopes. Um, right. but why not? You know? Yeah. And, um, now going back to going back to Kentucky and actually hunting officially in Kentucky, will, will happen at some point this year. I don't know when, um, it's either going to be October or December. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know which, but
1: how's, the, how's much, the late season there?
2: Um, if you've got food, it's like any place else, you know, okay. like there's some good stuff with food and, and you know, white heaven, they've got plenty of food places, but you know, I have that other farm over in Bracken County that I turkey hunt. So, yep. um, I saw a really nice buck there last year, Oh, dude, you saw a
1: hammer there last year.
2: Yeah, the day. Well, the second day of the season um, and um, after ATA. So Mm -hmm. when when I left ATA, a mutual friend of ours, Billy, Billy C was carpooling with me. And and I was like, hey, I'm not ready to leave Kentucky. I'm going to go sit in a sit in a stand one last night. And we had about a 150 coming right at us. 400 yards, 300 yards, 200 yards, 100 yards. At that point, I picked up my bow and I'm like, "This is going to happen." <laughs> and then all 17 deer in the field look into this straw, and a coyote bust them and yep. clears the field on us. But you know, wish I could kill that on Wiley coyote. Right. Um, but yeah, no, dude, just Iowa for the most part. Like, and you know, we've talked about this in the past, like what are, you know goals are and 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 how we want to pr- you know go with the season. This is the first year in my mm. life that I'm not tied down to a 9 to 5 yeah. in the deer season. Um so I keep saying I want to be more aggressive. I want to cuz I used to be an aggressive hunter. Uh I, I you know I keep saying I want I'm, I want to get back to being more aggressive. I want to be more aggressive. So this year I'm going to be more aggressive because I have no reason not to.
1: Right. Yeah cuz I mean you'll have the time cuz you and I've talked about this online offline with buddies, mm-hmm. you know, just you and I and you know, a lot of the guys that we, you know, that that hunt aggressively and like guys who come to mind are like, you know, I know we mentioned them all the time, but Cody, right. Yeah, Hunting mm-hmm. public guys are pretty aggressive, right. You know, they're hunting bedded deer and stuff, you know, it, it's a little bit of a luxury, right. Because they can hunt every day, you know what I mean? So you bump a deer and today you can go either find that deer or find new deer tomorrow because yep. you have tomorrow, right. Where for you in the past and still me currently, you know, I would like to hunt more aggressive, but I also am very aware of like what type of properties I'm hunting and what the possibility of me being able to go find another deer or more mature deer, um, on that same piece or on a different piece based on the amount of time that I have as a, as a working stiff, you know? So it's one of those kind of fine, you know, fine, fine balancing acts that you have to kind of have to pull off. But man, I'm stoked for you to have the whole the whole season. I mean, I know you got some photo work and stuff going on that's going to cut into a little bit of the time that you have some travel going on, but I know when primetime hits, I know you were like, the ringer is off. (laughs) The phone is dead and I will be in a tree stand.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, October 15th to, uh, Thanksgiving. Nice. I'm doing everything in my power to keep that open. Um, you know, if I if I have a photo gig, like I'm gonna try to limit it to one or two day gigs. Right. But no no like week long gigs. Right. Unless somebody listening out there wants to pay full retail day rate, then call me. Holl-
1: holler at <laughs> your boy. Holla holla holla. <laughs> <laughs> nice. For me, man, I mean, you know, we won't belabor the states. You know, for me it's it's Pennsylvania. You know, yep. it's it's Iowa for sure. Those two are mm-hmm. definitely happening, of course. That's and a big that, one. That is a big one. Like, and I'm just like I'm super Jonesing for it in the worst way. Um, but outside of that, it's like depending on what happens, you know, in PA and how quickly anything might materialize here, it's like I may try to slip away and do some you know long weekends in Ohio. But I'm not going to do that unless unless I have a tag filled here. Um, just because I do have some decent deer around here that I've managed to get on, on a couple of these private pieces, or I'm sorry, on, on a couple of these public pieces um, mm-hmm. that I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, I feel, I feel really good uh, about my, my chances on a couple, on a couple different pieces. So I don't want to, I don't want to cheat that necessarily, but. <laughs> You know, the other thing I want to ask you about is just, you know, I know you're, you're going to be prioritizing and spending a lot of time in Iowa this year, of course, and the Kentucky trip's going to happen at some point, you know, whether it's October or December, but as far as like any deer or is there anything that's caught your eye that you're kind of, you know, working toward as far as like a particular deer, it's like, okay, this guy I've seen for a year or two, or this guy I've seen, you know, the past however many weeks. And I know when he transitions, he transitions to this area any, any targets per se? Um, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just last night,
2: uh, and while we're talking, I'm sitting here like getting ready to pour bleach all my ankles last night. I went on a quick card pool at like nine 30, 10 PM. Oh, hell yeah. And, um, it's the worst man, right at the first of September here. It's awful. But, um, I went and did a card pool last night on the lease and my food plot's looking really good, uh, with, and that's a positive. Right. And I've got—I mean, there's one buck that was like, "Eh, I'd like to see him on the hoof," but no mm. definite. Like, oh boy, um, that big tall brow buck—I haven't seen him in a couple months. Dude, that guy was a freak too. Oh, you know, I know. Dude, his I brow tines
1: were probably almost two foot tall. His oh, brow yeah. tines I mean, were like for people out there listening. His brow tines—and this is no lie—were even with the top of his rack.
2: Yeah, he's not even joking. He's every and I would I would as I would guesstimate his G2s to be like 14 inches. Yep. And his brow tines were level with the G2s. So that puts them at 15, 16. Yeah. Um, Just a freak. And he came through one night with a buddy and the buddy is not as tall, but he's thicker. Uh, He's got more mass. So they came through there once. That's you know, like Jim Carrey and dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so that's good enough for me. I know that he's in the area and he's a deer that I might have a shot at. Um, I've got cameras all over that farm and I haven't picked him up. So that tells me he's not local, just something brought him into the area that night. Um, so he's not living on me. But maybe when it's hard horde season, maybe he'll transition to me, right. um, frequent me a little bit more. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, he's definitely the deer that I've kind of – I guess I lied. I guess, yeah, I do have my sights set on that deer. But, um, man, I tell you, like here in my part of Iowa, seeing a deer in velvet, <sighs> Doesn't I hardly life, ever right? see him. Yeah, I hardly ever see him. I mean, the buck I killed last year – I killed him a mile down the road from where I was getting trail camera pictures of him. Right. Yeah. So hmm. and It's just, just go ahead. No, and it's just and I never had trail camera pictures of him before I killed him, you know what I mean, on that lease. So it's kind of funky, but right. um yes, yeah, so I don't I don't get I don't get my heart set too hard to be just to be broken
1: right. around around here. Right. Now, have you done any card pools? Now, selfishly, I'm going to ask this question on, on any of the public. I haven't. I'm letting them
2: soak. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, I'm letting those soak. And because I was thinking about doing a card pool when I came home for this 48 hours, um, and then I remembered how bad the chiggers are yeah. right now. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait till I come back from Ontario. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do a card pool probably around the 20th or 21st. Okay. Um, that's when I'll swap out cards and then I'm actually taking two more cameras out there. So there'll be a total of four soaking, um, in the vicinity of where we found that match set. Okay, nice. Nice. Oh, and I did, uh, I meant to tell you this. I actually was riding around with my buddies at old barn taxidermy and they showed me a piece of public, um, that notoriously, Produces a big buck every year. Really? Yep. And um, it's a small, little, skinny, little section of public, and people just overlook it because they're like, ah,
1: it's only a hundred yards wide. Right. Is but it's it, like a mile and a half long. Is it? So, if we were leaving your house, your old house, right, yeah. and turned out of your driveway, would we be making a right to go to that public? Left. A left. Okay. Yeah. Because yep. there was a different uh, uh, piece I was eyeballing that was actually down close to the river, that was actually just a small strip that was like I, I don't know I don't remember if it was corn or if it was beans in a field that kind of butted mm-hmm. up this small little like chunk that was part of the public. But it was just on the other side of the road bordering the river. Yeah, and that kind of interested me just because of a pile of food there close to the river. You know, I'll I'll get you
2: um, I'll get you a couple of street names. Okay. So you can start looking at it and, and I'm going to take a camera over there as well, um, nice. towards the end of September and, and see just, I'm, I'm the first big heavy duty trail that I find that just slap it on there and
1: see what yeah. happens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Well, see cause what's... if you, if you can at least get some inventory, right. You can start to look at the timestamp and start to, you know, if it's October, once November happens, you know, it's like, then it you're, you know, it becomes a little bit of a little bit of a shit show as far as like trying to figure out where they're going and why they're going where they're going and so forth but if you can get some stuff in early october might be enough time to kind of figure out where the one might be kind of spending his evening hours you know time stamp him walking back you know however far away that he might be for his bed exactly type of thing but uh yeah man that's awesome for me dude i got i actually just went and did a card pool as we're sitting here talking, I did yesterday because I finally got a freaking rainstorm that I've been waiting for for weeks for, on a day off, and I finally got it. So I ran out and checked cameras on a couple different public pieces. And dude, like the remember that big rub I found? uh I guess this spring, whenever I was scouting, I showed it to you, and I was like, man, it's like the biggest rub I think I've ever found around here. And uh-huh. I was like, there has to be a big deer that makes it. And and I did have a big deer on camera at the end of June was kind of stoked about that. And then yet another one showed up in this same area and he is cruising back to bed. Like I'm getting him on camera right around 6 30 AM and he's every month he's coming back to bed later and later and later. And so that tells me like, I'm probably I'm pretty close to his bed at this point. Like I would guess probably no more than 200 yards away max from his bed. If he's passing uh-huh. through at that time of the morning, coming back to bed. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping he continues to make that same mistake, if you will. And then kind of check that. I don't know if people out there have ever use this, but I, I use deer lab every now and then to kind of look at wind, especially if there's a deer that I really like, you know, or that I would like to try to go after in a particular area. I'll use that to kind of figure out what winds he predominantly likes to travel on when he's traveling in a certain direction and stuff like that. And this fellow likes a North wind, which is like, it's, it's, a perfect wind basically for me to set up on and yeah and, and for him to feel good you know so and the access coming in would be is pretty is pretty bulletproof for me to get in so i'm pretty stoked about that and then there's another public piece that i threw a wing and a prayer at dude i just happened i i, I saw it i was close to it one day i had an extra camera in my bag and so i ended up just stopping jumping in it's got some food on it like the that the state puts on it And so I literally just walked in the timber a little ways and I was like, you know what, it's kind of what you said, man. I was like the first good trail I find, I was like, I'm just going to hang a camera on it and see what happens. And went in, hung a camera on it and went and checked it this past weekend and like two shooters on it. Like, you know, not Iowa caliber shooters, but probably, you know, Pope and young deer, you know what I mean? So for this area on public, that's, that's a really good deer, you know? So there's that one. And uh, there's one other one that I found the sheds to this past year that, that we've, we have on camera pretty frequently too. So there's a couple deer around and that's kind of, those are kind of my plans, dude. I've yet to get pictures in the swamp of any of the deer from last year. Cause I think it's haunted. I think the swamp is haunted. Every, <laughs> every camera I've put in there so far, it disappears. Well, it might as well because I hang it and like, I've placed it in the, I don't know, man, I, I place it in like a spot and I'm like, I'm good. I come back The first one I put in there, I left soaked for like a month. I come back and it burned out the batteries in three days where it did nothing but capture leave image, images of leaves like blowing. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I was like, so I was like, you know what? Let me take this camera out, check the sensor on it when I get it home, you know, and let me put a a fresh one out and just, you know, set it up. And I was like, I'm even going to move it into a different spot to where maybe I won't get as many false triggers. Put that up. And so, since I got rain this week, I usually don't go back after a week of hanging it, but I wanted to go back and just check, right, to make mm-hmm. sure it was good. Same thing, like nothing but leaf pictures and like the camera's working fine. It's just like wherever I'm placing it, I'm just getting a pile of false triggers. And mm-hmm. this was that spot that I had that deer last year that was probably pressing 150 inches. So I'm like mm-hmm. super bummed that I've got dick for pictures from this place. Dang. Yeah. So. I mean, the thing is, is I know there's decent deer in there. It's just a matter of like this year, I was really hoping to like figure out some type of early season pattern because the season opens early enough. I can probably get on a bed to food thing, but uh-huh. it's just not, it's just not playing out for me. So, but those are kind of my plans, man. I pulled the cards at my dad's place. One good shooter on that, but I don't know that I'll even make it back there. Cause I got some really nice deer around here to hunt. And that's probably where I'm going to spend, spend most of my time. A couple, you know, swamp donkey bruisers here on the East coast. So right and that's kind right. of the plan man so i know that you know we talked a little bit about tactics in the last one but we were saving it kind of for this you know session of our plans hopes and, and dreams etc but you know thinking back on last year and scouting you've done this year and stuff like that you know is there anything new that you're going to try this year or is there anything that you're going to kind of switch up from last year that you're like eh, you know what this probably didn't work out so well for me last year so i'm gonna try it this way
2: Uh, that's a good question. So because my time is the way it is, the way it's going to work out this year, um, theoretically, uh, I'm probably going to jump out October 1st, October 2nd,
1: -hmm.
2: see if I've got anything early season coming to that plot. I mean, that's, you know, a whole nother month away. Right. Um, so I'll probably jump out, take a few stabs uh, on that plot, uh, some evening sits. And if I don't see anything, that good enough, whatever, uh, I'll back out. And then probably won't even think about hunting until middle October. Um, and then just basically wait for cold fronts
1: mm-hmm.
2: and hunt. I mean, even if it's a 5, 10 degree drop, whatever. Um, I'll jump out in some evenings and do some evening sits on cold fronts. And then once we get to that, like October twenty sixth, twenty seventh, then I start getting a little frisky, right? Um, and really, 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 you know, watching that weather and barometric pressure. But come, come Halloween through the fifteenth, I'm an everyday person. Nice. Just wherever I got to go, wherever I got to be. Um, I just I got a phone call today. Um, from a cooler company that I work with is, uh, in the blind business, hard sided blinds. Nice. And they're sending me a a hard sided blind and I've got a spot on the back. It's on the, on on the far end of my food plot. It's notorious for swirling winds Mm -hmm. and I never can get to that backside, uh, because of it. And, you know, Ozonics is great. And I put Ozonics nine times out of 10 helps me. But this is one of those spots where it's just so swirling. Um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. I mean, you'd have to have multiple units running different directions and stuff like that. And, right. you know, we've all seen those spots where it's the, the winds are so swirling so bad. You're just like, eh, it's not worth it. You know, Yeah,
1: where you just completely avoid it. And that's always where the deer are at. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, there's a reason why we either see deer or we get busted by deer two things are going to happen on swirling winds. Um, and it's because that's where they feel safe too. So, right. so anyways, um, I'm kind of excited that I can, I can kind of hunt that. Um, so that, that might be my early season, you know, when it's still a little warmer, like right. that, that might be a place I might jump to. Uh, but it'll definitely be, um, that like early, early January, when it's just nasty, brutal cold in Iowa.
1: <laughs> nice, yeah, yeah. I was it's actually negative fifteen. That's where I'll be. Yeah, right <laughs> in the in the warm blind. Not a bad spot to be. Yep, man. I think I think my change up this year is a couple. And I was actually jotting notes as you were talking, so I was just kind of thinking about it. And I've typically not been much of a morning person in October for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, right? It's it's really hard to beat a deer back to bed, right? Yep, but. You know, this year as you know, you and I both, you know, got to spend, you know, some time with Cody or whatever and talking hunting with him. And even just via text message stuff outside of like the podcast and stuff. I mean, that dude makes hay in the mornings in October often. You know what I mean? And he'll tell there, you.
2: There's some crazy stat that he told me one time. It was like 65% of his bucks that are over 140 have been killed in the morning before October 20th. That's crazy, man.
1: So I'm, I'm going to not be stubborn and I'm going to like be a little bit adaptable here. And you know, what my rule of thumb was kind of what my takeaway was from all the conversations I've had with him and, and other folks who hunt similarly is that if you've got good Intel and you've got a good idea on a deer and you, and he's killable in the morning, don't try to kill him in an evening. Just go kill him when he's letting you, you know? And yep. so that is one of my things this year, especially this one deer that I have that, I, that I'm that i watching, you know, and like I've said in the past, it's like, I don't try to hunt like a specific deer. I try to hunt a terrain feature where I know good deer are going to use. And where this one big deer is showing up, there's three other ones that I would be happy to shoot that are using the same terrain feature. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I'm not putting all my eggs in that one basket necessarily, but he is the one that I would like to see first. If, if we were, you know, if we were choosing and these deer are all kind of coming through in the morning and this big deer in particular is coming through in the morning right at gray light when I could get a shot opportunity. And it's not so early that I couldn't get in and beat him back to bed. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of those instances where I think, you know what, a morning hunt in those right situations, I need to try this year and be a little bit more aggressive in that regard. I think the other thing I need to be more diligent about this year and part of it is, you know, another point that I'll make here in a second, but it's just with my access. Um, it's still one of those things that I sometimes struggle with. And part of it's because of some of the parcel sizes that I'm hunting and that it's around suburban areas where there's small private lots around it of homes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where there's only one way in and one way out, you know? And so just being more diligent, like maybe I don't hunt mornings in the swamp because it's the access sucks. Maybe I wait till you know, like ten o'clock when there's a lot of road traffic to use the cover sound to get in when they're already back to bed and hunt them in in their midday movement because dude they're comfortable in there, and I got tons of midday movement pictures last year from, from mm-hmm. mature deer. So that's another thing that I'm trying to I think pay attention to this year. And then this year, which leads to the access piece is that I've have I was diligent this year and I challenged myself this past off season to scout more in the off season and find more suitable parcels to hunt public land parcels to hunt so I wasn't kind of beholden to one particular location. And so what this will let me do is I have a couple burner places where I don't have a bunch of good deer that I can hunt in in the morning before I go to work, and I'm really looking to fill doe tags. But I also have a Mm -hmm. a bunch of other parcels to where now I can truly hunt particular parcels in areas where I know I have good deer and setups where I know I should be successful and only hunt them whenever I'm getting the right wind to hunt them. Which means in the past I was having to hunt If he wins if I wanted to go hunt, because like we were talking earlier, man, it's like I'm a working dude, a nine to fiver. If I only have Saturday to hunt and the wind's wrong for a particular location, but that's the only location I have, it's like either hunt or don't hunt. A lot of times I would make the bad choice and not to go hunt because I just want to get out. You know what I mean? Um you know, and so I've done that plenty of times, which I knew full well going into it was wrong, but I I was preferring to go hunt than sit at home. Um, so this year I was like, you know what, I need multiple locations to hunt. So I have somewhere to hunt on any wind condition. And that way I can prioritize hunting the right spots at, with the right wind conditions to have an opportunity at a good deer. And so that's kind of where I'm at this year. Those were like the plans that I made. And the thing is, is man, when people think about deer hunting, you know, people say it to me at work all the time, they're like, man, it's, it's a lot more involved than I thought it was. And, you know, they don't hunt. And I'm like, if you want to try to, if you want to, if you want to put yourself in a good position, it is involved. It's like, cause this plan that I'm trying to lay out for this year started last year, January, like February 1st, when the season ended January 29th or 30th, right? So it started like the day of the season ended. It was like, here's the plan I need to kind of put in place. So next year I have these things available to me. So I'm not screwing myself over and over again. So that's kind of my, those are the things I'm changing this year, man. So what do you, what do you think? I like it. No, I mean, it's, you know,
2: whenever you were talking about hunting mornings and, and that buck being there, like, why not? If he's there in the morning, go kill him in the morning it reminds me having so many conversations with, you know, my old business partner, Todd Prignitz. Yeah. There'd be times where, you know, I'm like, Hey, I got this buck showing up at like seven 30 in the morning. He's like, what time's it daylight? And I'm like seven. And he's like, so what's your plan? I'm like, Oh, you know, I think I can set up on him this afternoon. And he's like, if you know where he is, go kill him. Right. Like that's the hardest part is knowing where he's at. You've got You got a picture of him at seven Oh one and a picture of him at seven Oh nine, you know, where he's going set up in between him or later, you know, Yep. and go kill him. Like, what are you waiting on? Um, and so from like 2013, 2014, 2015, I was super, super aggressive. And then I don't know, I got some stupid idea in my head when I moved to Iowa. I'm like, Oh, I'm in Iowa now. I got to hunt smart and, you know, take my little stabs into the timber and sneak in and go kill these giant bucks. They're not any different. They're still whitetails, you know, and I basically just kind of got off my game plan for a couple of years. And, and, you know, and some of it was also because of scheduling, you know, I'm like, well, I don't have as many days to hunt. So I kind of got to strategically,
1: but that's when I should have really been more aggressive. Right. I was just going to say, man, like, you know, going to Iowa, You know, it's because of just the lack of pressure that the state has just in general, generally speaking, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say, man, like fucking go for broke. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because like, look, you and people joke there's a 180 around every tree and you and I both know that that's not true, but it is a target rich environment, right? So sure. If you blew a chance on one good deer, you would have a very good chance you would see another good deer before the year was over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I
2: think in Iowa, as a general rule, um, per per five-mile block or whatever, mm-hmm. there is probably more mature deer in that five-mile block than a lot of other places. Yeah, 100%. Um, but because there's not as many people and they don't get as much intrusion, they are definitely less tolerable to intrusion. right. Um, it's kind of like, you know, my mom always jokes with me. She's like, oh, the elusive whitetail. She's like, during the month of November, I find like a hundred on the road dead. Couldn't right. avoid that, you know, 4,000 pound vehicle driving down the road. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, but that's on the road. Like you go into their world into their timber. I'm like, it's no different. Like you walk in your house and you're like, I wait a second, weird dude sitting on your couch. Yeah. Or like, you're like, wait a second. I did not leave my shoes on that side of the bed I left them on the other side of the bed you know it's like those little things like that like they they notice more you know and yeah same thing with us like if you and I if we lived in the woods yeah we'd probably notice a twig break here a twig break there that wasn't there the day before but sure but um so you know there's that aspect of it um but they they travel um and, and you know and I was very diverse uh as far as the state goes I mean excuse me you don't have to go very far north and you're hunting a lot more fingers yeah whereas down by me it's big blocks of timber yeah big blocks of timber as you've seen in shimmick yep so um i'm definitely going to be a lot more aggressive this year uh i'm going to take full advantage of my newfound vagabond status and (laughs) border jumper you know uh esquire um so yeah i'm gonna I'm going to be a lot more aggressive this year and, um, you know, not just flat out stupid, but,
1: uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bust ass this year. Yeah. I hear definitely,
2: you, man. Definitely bust ass.
1: That's kind of my, my thing too, man. I, I like the vagabond buck. Like I hope you kill a vagabond buck this year. And that oh, yeah. my goal is to try to kill a hobo buck. Cause I got a couple pieces that I have that are long train tracks that I'm using. That's actually one of my big things this year is I have train track access to a couple pieces, which That's is solid. Uh, dude it's awesome like it's so stealth and like the one spot it's like i can slip right up in because like where i want to hunt it is right off the train track because you like, know
2: what you need you need one of those manual carts that's like the seesaw handle you, know? <laughs> you need one of those to get in and out that'd be yeah until i rad. until i
1: meet the train the other way which happened to me the last time when i was walking out after checking cameras i was like the train was on its way and i had to like deke off into the woods which is a little dicey but It was, yeah. And I was just imagining, I was like, so I kill a deer in here. I was like, how the hell do I get this thing out? What happens when the trains come in the opposite way as I'm trying to drag this deer?
2: (laughs) If you, if you kill a buck off the train tracks after that experience, you have to call the
1: buck, the Ray Brower buck, the Ray Brower dude, we can call it the Ray Brower buck. That's cool. We'll we'll do that. (laughs) But the one other big thing I have going on, and I know I talked to you about it and I'll be hitting you more often, like Mm than not this year as I'm actually, you've inspired me yet again to do stupid shit. Which is which is to get the camera back out and actually get some new camera stuff and film all my hunts this year. So thanks for that kicking the kicking the groin. Appreciate if it. If
2: I could if I had a sound bite right now, I would pull uh Gene Wilder from Willy Wonka when he's like, No, please stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, dude, it's I love video and hunts. Like I, I I've said it before and it's um I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world until I did it the first time. And, and it was so cool to be able to just rewatch the hunt. You know yeah. what I mean? Like As it happened, it was, it was super awesome. And, and I enjoy sharing the stories and I like seeing other people's stories and yep. I'm a visual person, you know? Um, but it adds a whole nother challenge. I yeah. mean, it, it really does. does. Um, uh, self-filming your, your deal is, is very, very, very tough. I mean, I've done it, you know, a couple of times yeah, um, just a couple. And, I've, and I've had it backfire on me a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so,
1: the uh, what really kind of set it off for me was coming to Iowa. You know what I mean? It's just that, yeah. you know, I only get to do that once every four years, let's say, you know what I mean? Going oh, forward. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, you know, if I do happen to, you know, put an arrow in a good deer, you know, this year, it's like I'd like to try to get it on film. I'll be, sure. I'll be honest with you. It's like, I'm not going to pull the shot. If I don't have the deer in, in frame, like that's not going to happen. Um, right. You know, but well, you know, I talked you about, you say this. that now, <laughs> <laughs> well, you have full right. And I'll say it here. If I, if I, if I miss an opportunity on a big deer in Iowa, because I tried to move my camera, you have the right to, to beat the piss out of me whenever we talk that <laughs> night. So, you
2: know, Hey, I, two years ago, um, self-filming, I had, uh, I had a big buck, really, really big buck. And it was one of those seasons where just nothing seemed to go right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I remember that season dude. That was yep. brutal. Yeah. And just nothing was, nothing was working uh, my way. And I went to reach for the camera. The deer busted me. I waited 30 seconds. He calmed down, looked away. I went to reach for the camera again. He busted me a second time and like he saw movement but didn't know what I was or if I was anything he just saw some movement in the tree and right and i made the decision at that point i said you know what yeah i'm in the business of filming my hunts uh i'm not going to film this hunt i'm i'm going to kill this deer i'm going to be a hunter and then i'll film the recovery but for this moment i'm not a videographer i'm a hunter and i made that decision and And, um, I ended up pulling the shot a little bit. Um, still, still think it should have been a fatal shot, but nonetheless, you know, I didn't recover that buck and, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, had I not reached for the camera, if I just would have shot that buck, would my nerves have been a little more calm or, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if I've waited a little longer, got the camera on him, settled down and then drew on him taking the extra time you know, would that have, would that have changed anything? You know, I don't know, but it definitely adds, uh, an element to it, but man, it's so cool when you can self film your own kill. It's, it, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a big accomplishment. I think, I mean, it just kind of adds to it, but like you said, come to Iowa first time. Um, and it being a once in four year deal, yeah, it it would be neat. Cause I mean, I'll be filming everything and you're filming everything. And then, um, there could be one little badass
1: little episode to put together, you know, that's right, dude. It's, uh, You know, for me too, it's like, and you and I talked about this. It's like I went with a 4K camcorder, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we talked about this where it's like I'm not a, you know, videographer, photographer guy, right? So for me, it was more about can I leave it wide angle whenever I see a deer approaching that I might want to shoot and just know that it's in frame because I have the camera panned out. And then because it's 4K, I can bring it in and post to get, you know, a closer up, you know, visual of the shot. Like, so that was that was really my approach was like get a good like affordable 4k you know camcorder and get a you know gopro 4k camera to use that way everything is able to be brought in closer range without degrading the quality of it so i can focus on hunting and not necessarily being a camera person so yep. that was kind of my my solve for it you know the other thing too is like i i, I wanted to start filming again because for i mean whenever when i was I know you're used to it, but for me, it was adding something new whenever I was hunting out of a tree stand and stuff. And now with the saddle being, and I've lightened my gear so much, you know, and I'm so much more streamlined, taking that little camcorder in and stuff like that really didn't, you know, it's two pounds, right? So Mm -hmm. it wasn't a big deal for me to start to add a few of these things because it doesn't add a whole lot to what I'm managing already um, because my, you know, my, what I'm using is not bulky and super light and stuff like that. So it wasn't like it was a, a burden, a little bit more setup time in the tree, of course. Yes. Um, but not, but not terrible. So it was one of those things where I was willing to make the trade off. So gonna, sure. Going to do some filming, man. But, uh, so last question for you, man, and I'll let you get out of here. Cause I know you got some birthday party and to do, but, uh, what's a, uh, what's success look like this year for, for one Johnny Utah Mulligan.
2: Uh, success for me. um, success for me is, you know, I mean, the cheesy answer, um, is another season of learning, you know, continue to learn and, and continue to grow and, and hone skills and, and get better at reading sign and reacting to sign and, um, you know, that kind of stuff, keep my scent control in check, but I'll, I'll say it right now. My goal this year is two bucks. Yep that's um that's what i i want to do i haven't done it since 2015 so last time i shot two bucks and you know in one season mm-hmm. so that's my goal for this year is shoot two bucks one on private one on
1: public nice yeah i think my goal this year is i think the same as yours man mine is mine is well, a little bit different mine's two bucks it's kill mm-hmm. one of these um public land bucks in pennsylvania you know, that, that, that is a goal of mine public land and PA is hard to hunt and i got a couple of good deer and I would love nothing more than a wrap a tag around, around one of them before I come out your way. And then, and you asked me about this the last, uh, the last podcast, but I'd like, I'd like to kill a mature deer in Iowa. You know, sure. I, mean? I, I don't have like an age, I don't have a, you know, a, a score in mind of what I would like to kill per se. Nope. You know, I'd like to kill a four and a half year old deer. And if that's the case, then he probably would be in the 140s i would imagine you know what i mean and so that's kind of ish you know 140 145 whatever the case is like that's kind of what i'm looking for is is that yep. um and that's my goal aside from that is just to spend two two weeks with you man hunting on Yeah. It, hanging out yeah. dude you know what i mean yeah. swapping yeah. stories I'm, we're going to be doing podcasts very regularly so i will just let everyone know now last year whenever i w- did all my went on my rut uh, trip last year. I did a podcast almost every day. It was at least every other day on days that I got back to camp really, really late. Um, so you can probably imagine that there's going to be a podcast put out if I'm, if I'm out there for 14 days, there'll be at least seven, if not probably close to nine episodes that'll come out. Um, that John and I will be, you know, knocking out and kind of keeping everyone up to date as to what's going on. Um, which I'm looking forward to that. Cause those are always kind of, those are always kind of fun episodes to put out. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. and other than that, man, just hanging out with you and your family. I'm going to be, I'm going to be vagabonding on your couch for a couple of nights whenever I have a gap in my, in my accommodations. <laughs> so appreciate yeah. you and the fam putting up with me for a couple of days, the one weekend, but
2: uh Hey, no problem. I've slept on
1: that couch a few times myself. It's yeah. not bad. Did you get in trouble? Did you, you get a little trouble?
2: Ah, you know, here and there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, speaking of man, I don't want you to get in trouble on the, on the wife's birthday. So I'm gonna let you yep. get going, brother. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to y'all soon. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank you all for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast. would be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tether, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Gumleaf USA Boots, Obsession Bows, Ramcap Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and dead down wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
0: November's on my heels. Makes me proud. Makes me steal. I could show Colorful, damaged text broken letters, rationalize yourself in numbers, but I gotta get right from here. Gotta get away from here. Oh. oh, 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 oh.